0: All right, guys, start this off. Why don't y'all give me your favorite farm animal? Andrew, go.
1: I'm kind of partial to, I mean, pigs are tasty, so I'm a big fan of them.
0: I figured you would go, you were more of a cow man.
1: I mean, cows are also tasty, so I'm a
2: big fan of them, too.
0: Okay, Artem, what's your take on favorite farm animal?
2: Chickens, the fried kind, delicious.
0: Oh, my God, so so many... Why is there no team in the Big 12 named after chickens? That would be such a good mascot. Chick-fil-A would be all up in that. That's true.
1: South Carolina's named after chickens. South Carolina's named after chickens. There's the only chicken mascots?
0: I think so. It's not it's not that common surprisingly. Also I'm surprised that Chick-fil-A doesn't have like a huge sponsorship for South Carolina, now that I think about it. It's
2: probably because Georgia hates them, and Chick-fil-A's
0: from Georgia. Oh, yeah. Oh, There we go, Artem using his brain power up here. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to the Toe Meets Other podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today are Artem and Andrew. This week, we're talking about the, uh, I would consider them the startup band of the Power Five. You know how it is when you go to a concert. You're really there for the headliner, and they've got those two bands that play before the one right before the headliner is pretty good. But then they got the other band, and you're just like, "Yeah, I could skip them." I mean, I know they got those two songs, Texas and Oklahoma, that are pretty good, but for the most part, I could ignore everything about them. And that's what the Big 12 is to me. So, so we're this week we're going to talk since we need to start off our football talk somewhere, we're going to start off with the Big 12. Uh, honestly, there's been a lot of moves coaching-wise this into the season, uh, in the off season. Les Miles, a lot of big talk about him. Before we get into the schools themselves, uh, Andrew, do you have anything in particular that you're excited about coming out of the Big 12 this year?
1: Uh, the offense are always fun to watch. They're teams that are going to put up a lot of points. They're teams that are going to break a lot of records. Oklahoma State doesn't really seem to matter to quarterback. They throw for 5,000 yards a game. You know, Oklahoma's been really, really good for the second year in a row. They've got to replace a Heisman-winning quarterback, but, you know, they really haven't missed a beat offensively. And then it's really kind of been interesting to see Tom Herman's Ohio State offense at Texas, and just kind of what he's been able to do and how that works. And then just old-school Kansas State, play good defense and run the ball. TCU extent too play good defense and run the ball.
0: And then Artem, of course, I know your favorite team is in the big 12 in Texas. Uh, who are you going to be pulling up pr- Toronto against this year? Uh, who are you going to be cheering to get injured?
2: <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> uh, no, this, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting league. There's a lot of up and comers this year. I, I think the, results will change and whatever we talk about will be drastically different towards the second half of the season because there are so many new coaches. Um, Those teams will have to evolve and try to win games. So we'll see. I think the first half of the season is going to go really bad for a lot of these teams.
0: Well, with that in mind, let's get started with a uh, team that has not really had a – you know, you mentioned how it's going to be rough for the first half for some teams. Uh, This team has had a rough every half for pretty much their entire career, Kansas, who honestly probably makes more money than seven tenths of the rest of the league, uh, for totally different reasons than football. Uh, they've recently, they've recently been taken over by less miles at the coaching position. And so we know the grass is going to be fresh out there. And I fully expect, uh, a huge turnout in ticket sales, uh, this year because of who is coaching the team. But I don't know that that's going to translate on the field. Um, Andrew, you're kind of our coaching expert. What do you think as far as the change goes? Obviously, it's a great hire, but what kind of impact will we see in the long term here?
1: I think it was a chicken shit hire. Really? I think it was awful. I, I think it was a coward's hire that three years down the road, it, it made not worse as the Charlie Weiss era but just not I think what you should do if you're a school like Kansas
0: care to elaborate more on that
1: Uh, you need to do something that's a little different you need to work harder to create an identity of who you are and to try to level the playing field to an extent you're never going to recruit as well as the schools you're playing against especially the, the Oklahoma's and the Texases of the world. And you kind of have to, you know, they were so good under Mangino, Mangini, camera, which one was which, because they were, the, the spread wasn't everywhere. It was something new. It was something exciting. And they were able to make a living with it. Well, now with everyone running that offense, it's not nearly as one-off or surprising uh, on top of that, I don't like his offensive coordinator higher less Koenig. I, I just I think it's another retread. You know, Koenig was okay at Michigan State or Mississippi State for a little while, but that I think was more Dan Mullen than Koenig, to be honest with you. And you know, he's the OC at Texas in twenty fourteen, which that didn't really go over very well. Uh, He was at Southern Miss last year, which Southern Miss was decent, uh, a rebuild, but I just, just not my, not an inspired, if I'm a Kansas football fan, all 15 of them in there, to me, this isn't an an inspiring hire. It's not a hire that's like, hey, we're going to think outside the box and try something new.
0: Interesting take, because I think a lot of people are pretty high on the hire. Artem, do you agree with Andrew about this?
2: Uh, not really, honestly. Um, I think I think Andrew's mentality is very similar to what he had as feedback when A&M was trying to hire Jimbo Fisher, and it was, there's no way in hell he's coming over there, and it happened anyway. Um, it might be a chicken-shit hire, but I think it's a good time for that type of chicken-shit hire. Uh, the reason I say that is their schedule is relatively easy to start the year off. They play to, you know, Coastal Carolina and Indiana State as their first two games. All you got to do is win by those two games, and you've matched with the coach before you did at his peak at Kansas. Um, and although it is a harder conference to recruit to, you're kind of always going to be in that mentality that it's going to be, you know, a harder conference to recruit against. So you got to do something. So I like that they went out and they kind of made a completely different move, not something that we usually see um, – outside of, like, Ohio State waiting for Urban Meyer to retire and grab him um, move. I I think he might be a good fit. You know, time will tell just based on how the program goes. But just looking at who they picked up once Los Miles was hired, um, they had three top-level Jugo guys automatically commit uh, to go play for him over there. They nabbed a bunch of guys from other states in the country that they usually wouldn't be heading from Florida, Florida, Mississippi, a bunch of Georgia, Alabama guys, and those are the guys that, you know, those are three stars that are rough, three stars that made it to the NFL because they grew up in bad areas. That's what Les Miles is used to coaching, that type of behavior, and he can coach those kids up to be stars. I doubt he's going to win and make a bowl game this year, but I think he's going to make enough wins to make a buzz in Kansas and continue some of this recruiting momentum they already have. And, like, um, you know, if you pull up Kansas and ESPN, It says, Les Miles won't put a number on how many games Kansas will win this season, but rest assured they're ready for the challenge. He doesn't have to win that many for there to be a huge buzz.
0: I mean, because he knows that they're going to win like two, I I imagine. I mean, and that has nothing to do with him coaching. I think that just has to do with any time a new coach takes over a tough program, it doesn't transfer very quickly. Um, Really quick, uh, Andrew, I do want to give you a chance to – after that to give a little bit of a rebuttal or whatever your extra thoughts are before we move on to West Virginia.
1: Uh, Yeah, they signed good Juco kids. Thomas McVitie's going to be the interesting one, was one of the higher Juco quarterbacks, a pro-style, you know, less miles than a running quarterback or like oil and water. I mean, you think about his, his teams at LSU with an incredible amount of talent were not great offensively. You know, he butted heads with Matt Canada, who was probably the best hire he could have as an OC. I, I just the other problem is their their best player, is Puka Williams, who was Big Twelve Offensive Freshman of the Year, but he's suspended indefinitely after being charged with domestic battery. So, yeah, I really know it's gonna.
0: <laughs> that the def- tools
1: are gonna be there.
0: That's definitely not gonna help things. Also, I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen now, uh, given that he stole the NCAA uh, championship trophy last year on that whole Dr Pepper thing. I, I don't know. I don't know how that speaks canonically, but I feel like the NCAA needs to look into that. Uh, anyway, next up, we got West Virginia. So West Virginia is in a is also a team in a recovering stage. They lost Dana Holgerson to Houston, of all places. They lost Will Greer to the draft. And now we've got Neil Brown from Troy taking over the program. And honestly, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Andrew, but I know you were pretty high on him as a coach. I really like that guy in general. Uh, Regardless of my thoughts on Les Miles, I think think, uh, Neil Brown is a great hire who could definitely do a lot of damage at this program given time. That said, uh, easy schedule, fair bit of talent, but I'm not sure we're expecting them to make a bowl game this year. Um, Artem, I'm going to let you start off the with uh, West Virginia. What, what do you think of this program coming up into 2019?
2: It'll be interesting to see how they change. I feel like the past West Virginia team that joined the Big 12 originally, what is it, four or five years ago now, had to change and adapt to the league. You know, the guy that's coming in from, from Troy, he runs quite a, a bit of a different system than the Big 12 was used to, so it'll be interesting to see if the league adapts to him or he adapts to the league like West Virginia did originally when they entered. They don't have Will Greer anymore. Um, there's not a lot of hope, honestly, because of that, and they play Mizzou as the second game of the the season, so potentially that could be kind of a... a decider of which way the season goes mizzou will also be without their starting quarterback from last year uh, i would say that's where the deciding factor will go for them of whether they make a bowl game or not because if they win that game they have the potential to win the next two as well nc state loses a lot and they play kansas which doesn't win a lot of games so you could you could be up you know four four and oh or looking at two and two by the fourth week and that, that kind of i think will determine the rest of their season and the direction uh, that they will go with the new coach
0: all right. Uh, Andrew, are you going to surprise me again on your thoughts on Troy Brown? No, I, Neil Brown? I love
1: the Neil Brown hire. I'm honestly surprised he took this one and didn't hold out for an SEC job. But I think he's a really good hire. I think it's really interesting because the offense, there are subtle changes, but both Holgerson and Neil Brown are how mummy Mike Leach guys. And so I don't think we're going to see as big of a change as would have been expected because they are kind of guys that grew up under the same systems. Obviously there are differences, but it's kind of the same throw a lot of verticals, throw a lot of read routes, kind of see what they can do. The Oklahoma transfer, Austin Kendall is going to be interesting. He has struggled to win the starting job outright with another transfer from Miami, uh, Jack Allison. So that's kind of crazy to see how that quarterback battle goes into the fall. The bigger question to me is Dean Holgerson ran a three three five stack defense, which was a little different. You know it was very much designed to play against spread teams to get more speed on the field. And, and he had some success with it. So I'm interested to see how that shift more to a a hybrid four two five ish look, you know how that impacts some of the defensive line play. And that's really your, your big questions. But, yeah, I mean, I think West Virginia, last year was a great year. I think they may take a step back, but, you know, they're kind of a, a mid-table Big 12 team anyway. You know, they're not a team that's normally competing at the high end, but they're also not a team that's usually missing a bowl game. So,
0: Well, the question really becomes, yeah, can they make a bowl game over teams like Texas Tech, Baylor, Oklahoma State this year, maybe TCU? If they can win those games, then they're right in the running for a bowl game. I mean, we're going to touch on this more, but I don't think there's anybody in the Big 12 that really has a hard football schedule uh, off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, we can maybe touch on a few teams down the line, but I don't I don't think anybody's got a tough out-of-conference schedule. Uh, West Virginia or maybe Texas probably have the – hardest ones. Speaking of which, Texas. So last year, they kind of surprised everybody in a bowl game by beating UGA. And I think a lot of people in UGA will say, oh, well, that doesn't matter. But it matters to me, damn it. Um, I was really happy to see anybody beat up on UGA, uh, even in in a non-playoff game. Uh, So yeah, I guess, Andrew, do we have to cheer for Texas now? Is this a thing?
1: I mean, I, I was, you know, hook them horns and as much as I could during that game because any day that Georgia loses is a good day for the country. It's going to be interesting. Their biggest problem is they've got to keep Sam Ellinger healthy. He was knocked out of two games last year with throwing shoulder injuries, and they've lost Shane Bichelle and Cameron Rising, who were their kind of backups. Bichelle played a good bit, but transferred to SMU. And they're actually their other backup quarterback, Cameron Rising, also left and went to Utah. So you've really got to keep him healthy. Uh, you lose little Jordan Humphrey, but still got some big athletic wide receivers. The offensive line will be interesting. I'll be looking to watch to see if Parker Braun, who was a all-ACC first-team selection from Georgia Tech, transferred to see if, if he plays this year. He apparently transferred and told them he wanted to redshirt a season so he can make sure he got his NBA, which, you know, that's not a Georgia Tech kid. I don't know what is. And then the defense, strength in the secondary. But, you know, some struggling up front didn't really get the kind of pressure you were hoping. Uh, tough schedule. I'm actually, I am maybe going to that LSU game week two, So that'll be super exciting if I get to do that. Um, I think Texas has a shot to, to again, be pretty good. You know, now whether or not Texas is back, I think that kind of depends on your definition of back. Uh, I think beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl is pretty good um you know they made it to the big 12 title game obviously they lost the rematch against oklahoma but i I mean you know to me they've herman's seemed to put some stuff together and and has had a lot more early success so it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of keep that ball rolling
0: okay and uh artem i'm gonna go to you i'm going to expect you to keep your emotions contained talking about texas what 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 are your feelings going into this year?
2: I'll summarize it with a story, I guess. You know, back in, back in what, one, two decades ago, a little bit over one decade ago, Texas was kind of the, what they called the flagship university of Texas, and they were the big school that everybody wanted to go to. They had Mac Brown, and Mac Brown was well-respected. If he came to watch you as a kid and gave you a scholarship, so did everybody else across the country. Now they have this child of a coach down there, and when recruits come to camp, they mock the school while they're trying to take a picture with the coach. That's all you need to know about how back they are. Um, it doesn't matter how many games you win. If somebody shows up and is mocking you and doing it, and, like, he wasn't doing it to where the coach could see it. He was, like, hiding it from the coach. Uh, you know, that's that's not back to me. That's borderline disrespectful and if you're at a place where kids enjoy doing that, you're not backed by any means. Um, I mean, their schedule doesn't look much different than any other year. Like, like you mentioned, Logan, um, they play LSU. So that's going to be an interesting game. It's in Baton Rouge. Um, that'll be the difference maker. I think, um, I bet you it's going to be a close one, uh, regardless of how good the two teams are, but it's because at LSU, uh, I think LSU will pull that one out hopefully. But, um, I mean, Andrew kind of hit the nail on the head. It depends where Sam Ellinger goes. They don't have any experienced quarterbacks behind him. So if he's out, they're not making a bowl game, depending on how early he's out. They do play Oklahoma again in October, and that can kind of decide where their season goes. They've played uh, Texas Tech and Baylor um, as their last two teams the last couple years. And those have been some pretty big games, although they weren't expected to be. They were one-score games for both of them. So it'll be interesting to see how I think it's Matt Rule's third year coming up. So how he's built up that program and they're consistently winning more and more. And this will be the end of his third season. It'll be interesting to see how that Matt Rule se- season three team holds up against Texas, uh, and if they're they've improved enough with their what juniors seniors now playing, uh, and if it's enough to beat them. But at the same time, you got Texas Tech, so. Texas Tech got you know Matt Wells is the new coach. Uh, it'll be his last game as well, and it'll be interesting to see how far that team's advanced. Usually, they give him a hard time, so I look forward to watching that again.
0: All right. So also,
2: they lost Texas lost their top recruit who enrolled early in, at USC, spent two weeks at USC, transferred to Texas, spent the entire spring ball there, and now is transferring back to USC because. The coaches lied to him and told him he's going to have to get redshirted. So that's their most talented recruit from this past year.
0: So uh, thank you to our weather reporter Artem, who would be glad to tell you that it is always raining over Austin, Texas. Thanks, thanks for that, Artem. Uh, all right, moving on. Iowa State. Uh, this is probably my favorite favorite team from the Big 12, just because I don't have to worry about whether anybody likes them or hates them. They're like the Chicago Cubs. They're the perennial underdogs. I think they're the, kind of the dark horse this year. They have a favorable schedule. They returned last year's QB, Brock Purdy, which is a pretty good sign, although they do lose their top running back and wide receiver, uh, David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler, from last year. So that's good and, and all, but all we really care about is can, and will they beat Iowa? Uh, Artem, what are your thoughts on Iowa State going in into this year?
2: You know, not really much to talk about there. Uh, Andrew said it earlier, most of the recruiting goes to Oklahoma and Texas, and even though there's a lot of hype around Iowa State, you really haven't seen – more of those four stars or really any five stars go to iowa state which is you need that game changer um to come out and play for you like that to give you a little bit more hype and give you those big recruiting classes um they're recruiting relatively okay but they're not at a high level where you would need to be to be in the conversation for top two top three or big 12 champion they have been given a lot of trouble to the rest of the schools So it'll be really interesting to see how I think it's his third or fourth year also um, with Brock already back to see what they can do there. Uh, They don't have a tough schedule the first three weeks. They play Iowa week two, like you said, but um, two smaller schools on the other days. So it'll give them a little bit of momentum, hopefully going into the the Baylor TCU games. And TCU, we'll talk about later, is a little bit in disarray as well. So if they take advantage of that, they could be heading into week six with four wins. It'll be interesting to see. I'm excited for L. State.
0: So this is really a whole other discussion, Andrew, but uh, do you feel like they really need that five-star talent to uh, compete? I don't think – go ahead.
1: I think a lot of it is you kind of got to know You uh, I think is an important – you know, it's kind of the one thing a lot of folks in college football don't really like to talk about. You know, there's maybe 15 to 20 teams, if that many, that are going to compete for national titles every year, every other year. You know, I mean, we've seen that playoff. We've seen that with a lot of things. So I think having an understanding kind of your place in the world of football, and I think Iowa State does a great job of that. And, the, and they're able to recruit and develop more so than just recruit the stars and, and have them set foot on campus and be great. And I think that that way that you can build a program at a place like Iowa State where much like with Kansas, you're going to struggle recruiting. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're in a state that does – it's got a little bit of talent, not a lot. You know, you're even further away from Texas, which is really kind of in butter recruiting for the Big 12. And so you've got to be able to kind of turn the rocks over and find the kids that you can develop into players. You know, maybe redshirt them the first year, them on special teams just to help them develop into good players. You know the fascinating is is Purdy went seven and two last year, and is one of the better returning quarterbacks in the league. Obviously, he lost a lot of weapons. That's going to be a really big question. You know, the offensive line I think has some holes that they're trying to fill. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, as well as hey, back to my idea of knowing kind of where you fit. They've gone eight and five two years in a row. You know, if they step back to a seven and six season, you know, hopefully the fans will understand. Hey, you know. Let's take a knock. Let's let's you know rebuild a little bit. Yeah, you know, if they have another eight, nine, ten win season, someone's going to hire Matt Campbell. I'm surprised someone didn't hire Matt Campbell this go around But some big job's going to open up somewhere, and they're going to hire Matt Campbell.
0: That's a ringing endorsement of Matt Campbell right there. I big fan. I do. <laughs> I like the program. I. I you know, you're probably right. He's probably going to jump ship if they do do well this year, but I think this could be potentially a year where we see them go like 10-2 and 2 or something like that. I don't know that they're going to beat Texas and Oklahoma, but everybody else, as Artem pointed out, is kind of in disarray right now. Uh, speaking of okay. which, go ahead.
2: If, there, if the referees allow them, they'll beat Texas. <laughs> I,
0: like, I like that one, Artem. Uh, uh, Andrew, were you about to say something?
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. But, again, that kind of goes to understand your place. You know, maybe pop Texas or Oklahoma. Cut every now and again, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with going 10-2 and two and losing those two games.
2: <laughs> to be fair, if you're crossing the plane for a touchdown and the camera shows it, they should overrule the referee saying it's a fumble, regardless of what your place is.
0: We, we get it, Artem. We get it. You hate Texas twice
2: in two years i can show you film <laughs> he's just bad
1: that they have a more recent national title than A&M.
0: Oof don't why'd you even no, bring that up
2: don't care about that <laughs> you know you don't care about national titles <laughs> i don't care about being compared to a tier four program as a tier two program
0: andrew why do you even care you're not a texas fan
1: sometimes delusion is hilarious
0: all right i'm gonna i'm gonna move us on uh so tcu the horn frogs have uh which by the way are they the only horn frog mascot since we were talking about mascots earlier i think they are right
1: hey, are there can i um uab is the blazers that's a dragon that's a reptile wait are dragons reptiles
0: oh, god i don't know i don't think know so? We're. We, I don't know how this. Is. We keep getting derailed. Anyway, they have a tough. <laughs> they have a tough road schedule this year. I don't know what you guys think about Purdue, but they've also got to go to Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma, of course. Uh, so, Artem, I think we're gonna let you talk about this in a second, given the the kind of chaos that's going on with them uh, as far as losing players. But do they have the talent to? be a contender like they have been in the previous years. I'll start with you, Andrew. What are, what are your thoughts about TCU? You
1: know, again, they're, they're a team that's fun to watch because Gary Patterson, they play really, really good defense. And it's been interesting because they, they tend to rebound after seven and six-ish seasons. You know, they won 10 games, 11 games, 11 games. The year's following seven win seasons. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of keep that rolling. They had a ton of injuries during the spring. So they were able to kind of get some younger guys, some reps and some more playing time and, and all of that. They, they had a decently high recruiting class for them, for them, you know, 33rd nationally, third in the big 12, which, you know, behind Oklahoma and Texas, that's, that's pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see there, they got to find a quarterback, because apparently they always have to keep trying to find quarterbacks. <laughs> and again, they should be good defensively because that's what Patterson makes his name on.
0: All right, Artem.
2: Uh, Andrew kind of hit the nail on the head again. It, it's going to depend on where the quarterback play is at uh, to see what, how they do in the season. Uh, Robinson, their starter from last year, apparently got on a spat with Gary Patterson. Um over the off-season or close to the end of the season and got replaced. So the guy they have starting is a redshirt senior, but he's been passed over by everybody. So the only reason he's playing is they really don't have a better option. His backup is a guy named Justin Rogers who tore, I think, every single possible ligament in his knee at one point and now has, um, I don't remember what the syndrome's called, but it's like your foot doesn't really listen to you as well. So he's the backup. What the, what Um,
0: the fuck is that thing? Holy shit. So like the foot like thinks on its own?
2: He like he can't fully control it, and it's his uh, what do you call? I guess his plant foot—the foot he steps forward—that he throws. Sometimes he can't do it all the way, which I guess takes away power and accuracy out of his
0: throws. Um, I'm sorry, I thought you were like talking about the foot had its mind of its own, and it was like some <laughs> kind of horror movie where the foot was like killing people without him knowing about it. Anyway, sorry, it's, go ahead.
2: it's like nerve damage essentially from ripping that much cartilage
0: and. All that stuff. Well, that's a lot lot less fun. Anyway, finish your story.
2: (laughs) Well, he's the backup, so that's what you got to look forward to. If he's the backup and your starter is a senior who's been in the program the whole time but didn't get enough reps because people were ahead of him, it's going to depend on that senior if if anybody else steps up.
0: Their defense
2: will give him a chance, but uh, it'll depend on how many offensive points they can put up.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, all the injuries play a factor, too. So I'm not huge on TCU this year, but time will tell. I mean, they've, as Andrew pointed out, they do tend to bounce back after tough seasons. Uh, Next up, Kansas State had a big loss. Uh, Bill Snyder retired, which I'm not around that campus, but I can only imagine that it's kind of like if Queen Elizabeth died. You would just be like, what happened? Everybody's walking around like a ghost, just kind of like, deflated but uh yeah uh with that in mind they got a new coach they got a new system uh they're still pulling juco's like they were before uh artem what what's kansas state's outlook going into this season
2: it's not too bad they have a lot of seniors and uh, juniors essentially starting out i think the only freshman on the roster that's in the depth chart is a wide receiver so that's a good outlook and even if you're coming in with a new system uh, which Andrew's gonna correct me but I believe Cleman runs uh, semi-pro style offense um, you got a bunch of guys who have a lot of experience and they have they don't have you know kids that are out of high school bodies they have man bodies so they're gonna be able to put up a fight uh, it just depends on how quickly they catch up and learn learn the system fully and they have a couple smaller games to start out and then they hit Mississippi State Oklahoma State Um yeah, it'll depend on how much they can learn in those first two games. if they catch they catch on quick, they'll they'll make a bowl game at least, and might be you know third or fourth in the conference.
0: I mean, they, Kansas State just does have this tendency to go like eight and four out of nowhere. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, but Andrew, uh, what what are your thoughts on Kansas State going into this year?
1: So this is the second time that. bill snyder retired
0: yeah i can tell you're looking at notes just to make sure he hasn't retired like a third time yeah
1: no so when he retired the first time they hired ron prince and he went seven and six five and seven five and seven before snyder was like you know what i think i'm gonna come back (laughs) and so i like the cleman hire i think he's a great fit for what he did at north dakota state you know again. a place that's going to struggle recruiting, that's kind of off on its lonesome in the middle of nowhere, but is able to develop and build players and, and have a lot of success. He he's a he does, he's going to do what Kansas State wants to do: run the ball, play good defense. You know, everyone says that, but that's that's kind of their that's what they did. You know, they were they were masters of the the shuffle eight gap power. So it'd be interesting to see if they're able to to do that as much because towards the end at North Dakota State, they were just better talented wise so they were able to get a lot of push the offensive line and you know smart backs with good eye see what they're able to do with that the quarterback's back so that's always positive you know the system's new so it's not as good as you would want but i don't know like you said they're they're the team that sneakily wins eight games and you're like oh my god what
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you got to keep in mind uh, they do take advantage of some lower tier teams in the Big Twelve because you don't you don't have to be better. You don't have to be the best team in the world. You just have to be better than the teams you're playing. But uh, uh, yeah, it's always interesting when you see a team like this coming in with a new coach because you're always kind of curious with the talent level kind of taking on a new system. But we'll see. I do sticking with my Queen Elizabeth. situation i was kind of thinking like it'd be funny if she died and then like she didn't like the leadership there so she comes back after two years she's just like yeah no i'm tired i'm tired of your shit
1: well i mean that's that's the theory is queen elizabeth is just trying to outlive charles (laughs) she refuses to die until he dies because she just cannot abide him being the king
0: (laughs) just like i can't trust this kid um all right Moving on to a team that I don't find to be amusing, Baylor. So, I just don't like Baylor. They have a bad off-the-field situation. I mean, look it up. It, I'm not going to talk about it because I could go on. To,
1: to be fair, they did clean house, and the staff is not the staff that dealt with those issues.
0: That's fair. I guess I guess my thing is uh, they have bounced back. They cleaned house. They've done a lot better. They've bounced back, and they've made a bowl game the past two years. But really, um, I don't – I'm always kind of amazed by that because they don't –
1: Just last year. They went 1-11 the year before.
0: Oh, sorry. They they don't seem to have the talent to be able to pull these kind of things off. I mean – but, Andrew, I'll go ahead and lean into you. What are your thoughts on Baylor this year, knowing the talent level? And this is, I think – correct me if I'm wrong, the third year with this head coach?
1: Yeah, it's Matt Rule's third year. I really like Matt Rule as a coach. You know, I think he definitely stepped into a really awful situation, and has, in my mind, done everything he's supposed to do. You know, cross all the Ts, dot all the Is, and I think Baylor's got a chance to be pretty good this year. The stronger mid-table team, the quarterback Charlie Brewer's back, who had a, you know, won the MVP of the Texas Bowl, throwing for three hundred eighty-four yards. You know, ran for 109 yards and a touchdown. So he's definitely a good fit for them. Their, their biggest struggles on the offensive line. They were sacked a Big 12 high 39 times last season. So that's really where you're going to have to see some development. You're going to take that next step to win eight, nine games. You know, a lot of, a lot of receivers come back, a lot of depth and talent. Got to find some running backs. The defense – you know, they struggle to, to force turnovers, which is, is usually helpful. They can really help kind of cover for a mediocre defense. So they're definitely going to have to get a little stronger defensively. You know, maybe hopefully they get a little more pressure, maybe play a little better in the secondary just to see what they can do. But I, I think Baylor's got a chance to kind of, again, be, you know, almost like we joked, joked with Kansas state, all of a sudden you look up and Baylor's won eight games.
0: Yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, but i i I just don't see it uh Artem, do you do you agree with uh Andrew as far as Baylor's outlook
2: no it's it's pretty good analysis. um it's their third year. they got a bunch of seniors juniors uh Charlie Brewers back as a quarterback. um you know, I remember watching their bowl game and thinking. I think they barely won, but those kids were genuinely ha- genuinely happy to be at the bowl game. And you look at these schools like Georgia, who get the Sugar Bowl as a consolation prize, and then shit all their talent out the out the door and lose to Texas. Uh, I mean, I know you guys loved that that happened, but. Technically, it shouldn't have happened uh, based on the talent level of both those teams and how they played the rest of the season. And Baylor just wasn't like that. They were in a mediocre bowl game, and they were happy to be there. They were happy to play for the coach, and they were happy he was staying because there was a lot of discussion um, about him taking interviews uh, with the NFL at the time. But I don't know if they fully changed because even though they cleaned house in the last two years, they've had at least one coach each year get caught in a prostitution staying so there's something weird going on there. Um, if that doesn't deter them, I could honestly see them winning a good 8-9 games before they hit Oklahoma and Texas at the end of the season. They start out with uh, Rice, UTSA, SFA. Those could be wins for them. That could propel them if they beat uh, Iowa State. Or if it's a closed game, next you got Kansas, Texas with new coaches, Oklahoma State that's going to have a lot of younger guys, West Virginia new coach, and TCU that's potentially at a, in a down year uh, due to lack of quarterback, if they haven't figured out by then. So they could be winning eight or nine games this season before they hit Oklahoma and Texas, and those actually could be big games for the Big 12. Um, it'll be interesting to see. They've been improving every year, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll
0: – this is an. Uh, this is a team I definitely want to keep an eye on because I think they could subvert expectations both ways. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Anyway, next up, Texas Tech. Now, this we've talked about a few teams where they've got new coaches, but it doesn't have as much of an impact because of the talent level they're bringing in. Uh, I mean, not necessarily that they're bringing in five-star talent, but teams like West Virginia, teams like Kansas state, they've got enough talent still there, or they have enough talent from recruiting that it doesn't necessarily drop them significantly. I don't know that we can say the same with Texas tech with uh, cliff Kingsbury gone. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to end. I'm not sure what kind of weapons they're going to have to support the new system. Um, So, Artem, I'm going to turn to you. Do you think uh, Texas Tech is just going to have to fall back on the fact that they did well in March Madness this year?
2: (laughs) Uh, you got a good point there. And I think they won the uh, national track championship. So they have two schools making it to the finals in two different sports. There's definitely some more expectations than before that have been there uh, because they're winning a lot and they're paying their coaches more, especially uh, at the basketball level. Um, But like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt Uh, with a coaching change. There was a lot of uh, high-level guys, high-talent guys that were looking at Texas Tech because of Kingsbury and ended up going somewhere else. Uh, Some of them followed him to USC. Um, I think they'll be a middle-of-the-pack, below-average team, but I'd be more interested in seeing how they improve from this year that's coming to see what Matt Wells does with the program. But Andrew has a lot more knowledge about Matt Wells than
0: I do. Okay, Andrew, do you care to share some of that knowledge with us?
1: I think it was an interesting hire. Wells had a lot of success at Utah State, and one of the great things that he did is he, he had some success early that allowed him to build up a lot of goodwill so that when they went 3-9 and nine a couple years ago and were on like their ninth-string quarterback because all of them kept getting hurt, there wasn't a lot of groveling and yelling and screaming about, oh, fire him, we should fire him, which was, was really good. I think his offensive coordinator that he brought with him is interesting is a guy named David Yost, who is interesting because he spent some time with Mike Leach as as well as he he was at Missouri for a long time with some of those really good Missouri offenses, you know, the ones with Blaine Gabbert and those guys. And so he's kind of got that, that air raid experience. So the transition from what Kingsbury was doing Probably won't be too huge. The bigger questions to me are going to be what we always have with Texas Tech is, are they ever going to learn to play defense? Because they've always been good offensively and always kind of slung the ball around and scored points. But uh, the defense gave up 448 yards per game last year. So, you know, you've kind of got to get some of that under control if you really want to take that next step and be somewhat more competitive in the conference. So it'll be interesting to see how, if he can make any changes and and kind of develop that defense a little bit more.
0: Gotcha. It'll be interesting to see. I just don't have very high expectations given the current situation. Uh, uh, Next up. So I think Oklahoma state has the bad luck this year. Every conference has one. But there's always a team that kind of becomes the default whipping boy, if that makes any sense. The team that it's like, you're not really bad, um, but we thought really well of everybody else. You know, If we're hyping up, if we're saying Kansas State's going to win like eight and Baylor's going to win seven or eight, then somebody has to lose those games. And in this case, I feel like Oklahoma State kind of becomes that team by default. They've lost a lot of talent this year. Uh, I mean, obviously they kind of had a disappointing season last year, things just not looking up for them in general. And, uh, I think it's going to be a rough season ahead of them again, but Andrew, feel free to, uh, prove me wrong. What do you, what do you got on Oklahoma state?
1: Well, they lost their offensive coordinator to Ohio state. So that's never good. Oh, that's, it's a positive because it means that your guy was good, <laughs> you know, to be interesting, he they hired Steve Gleason from Princeton. I don't really know a lot of what he did at Princeton. Unfortunately, I haven't watched a ton of Ivy League football. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they were they were a very fast paced, very spread the field. You know, again, we talk about this with just about every single team in the Big Twelve. You know, they scored a lot of points. They scored a lot of points. You know, even even a team like Oklahoma, they scored a lot of points. Couldn't really play defense. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens. They they brought in a transfer in former Hawaii starter Drew Brown. So, there will be some competition at quarterback to find out who's going to be able to start there. Again, they've always had good wide receivers. They've got some pretty solid running backs. And, you know, Chuba Hubbard averaged 106 yards per game in the games that he played. So, you know, he, was, he was a track star in his youth. So, he's got some speed. And, and they actually recruit fairly well. You know, again, they're not the Texas or the Oklahoma levels, but they always usually do a good job of getting down into Texas and getting some good players. So the mission is to see what they're able to do there. This is the second year under Jim Knowles on defense. Um, not not great last year, 97th in scoring defense and 112th in total defense. So you know, again, you get you go from bad to mediocre, and it, it really gives you a good chance to win some more games. And whether or not they do that is going to be the big question. So you know, I I feel like I pick every team to win eight games, and I know that's not possible.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just the that's the problem. <laughs> like, I think uh, uh, I I wish I could say that there was a that they would also win eight games because I like uh, I like Oklahoma State more than I like Oklahoma. But fact of the matter is that's just kind of the way it plays out. The
1: problem is Mike Gundy needs to bring back the mullet.
0: Oh, is that the problem? I was going percent. I was gonna say they need to stop losing to Central Michigan. That was the right team. I mean, right?
1: I mean, that might help too, but I feel like the mullet is the the most integral part of his success.
0: That's true. It worked for Cobra Kai. Uh, next <laughs> next up Artem, what what are your thoughts on Oklahoma State?
2: Uh, I think for a while they were they were they were excuse me. Riding Mason Rudolph and uh, James Washington, they were there for I think four years together, uh, and they wrecked the league for a while. So they're they're kind of searching for their identity right now. Um, Andrew said, "You know, Drew Brown's there. I don't think he'll be the starter by the end of the year, but I think he has the experience to be the starter to start um, the season." I think uh, Spencer Sanders will end up starting there, but you know, looking at their depth chart, there's a lot of they don't have a lot of depth. There's a lot of freshmen in the TD, um, and it, it'll just that'll kind of show you how their season goes. If their starters start getting hurt, which they do have a lot of um, offensive linemen that are seniors and juniors, um, some wide receivers with some experience. If those guys start getting hurt and the youngsters come up, depending on how those guys play, that's how their season's going to go. They're going to have to score a lot of points. That's that's what they've relied on, even with Mason Rudolph and James Washington there. Um, so if they score enough points, they'll they'll make a bowl game. But uh, honestly, it doesn't look likely like that to me this
0: year. All right, fair enough. Uh, and with that in mind, let's wrap up the Big Twelve with the uh, team that has kind of defined it over the past three, or five years or so, Oklahoma. So obviously, Oklahoma's kind of been the team that makes it to the playoff and then loses in terrible or dramatic fashion. Uh, this year they've got Jalen Hurts taking over for uh, Kyler Murray. Was a Heisman quarterback. I'm not a huge fan of Jalen because um, the last time I saw him be a true starter at quarterback, he was kind of like um, he's kind of like an emu. In that when you think of a bird, you don't really think of an emu. Emus are more of a running kind of bird. So it's kind of it's like, uh, you know, it's just kind of like he does not have the same skill set that other quarterbacks would be expected to have. He's a running back that throws the ball is the bottom line. Uh, I'm curious to see, though, as his skills have developed, if he can do more from inside the pocket. But uh, with that all said, I think we all expect Oklahoma to win the conference this year. Artem, should we be looking out for anything on defense or offense from them?
2: Yeah, also expect them to lose their first game to Houston. Um,
0: I think you're haven't full
2: watched. Sorry?
0: I think you're full of it.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at their depth and who they have, and I know Houston is going to put up a lot of points, and Oklahoma's not able to stop that. I think you gave them too much credit early on to say they had any sort of dramatic game because that Alabama game was Alabama just gave up playing and said just run the clock out the second half. So they let Kyler Murray run around, and waste time, and score some points. But enough of that. Um, when you look at their depth chart, they lost like, quite a bit of talent. They Their running back is hurt, so their starter is a sophomore that I don't, I don't think I've seen his name in the game before. Uh, their offensive line, pretty much almost everybody got drafted, I believe. I, I, I remember four guys going in the draft. So these are going to be guys that, Don't have a lot of experience, potentially, because Big 12 games go to the end. Um, Even if you are Oklahoma, you start scoring and putting up those points or continue putting up those points through the fourth quarter while the other teams stop. So they end up winning by, you know, two or three touchdowns, but most of that is in the second half. Um, They do have a lot of wide receiver talent, so they're going to be putting up quite a bit of points, but the number of points is going to depend on the chemistry that Jalen Hurts has with those wide receivers and the amount of time that that offensive line gives them. Um, I think... Texas has moved to a 3-4. Oklahoma seems to be playing a lot of 3-4. I'm not sure if they fired their defensive coordinator or who they hired, but they may, they may be shifting. Um, but a lot of those teams, uh, like Andrew mentioned, either play a, a 4-2-5 or a, a 3-4 front with four linebackers. And... Um, Honestly, that's a lot of rush coming at you, and if you don't have an experienced line, uh, which uh, Jalen Hurts isn't used to playing in that environment and making those risky decisions, you can drop quite a bit of games. And I honestly, I could it's a coin flip playing uh, Houston opening day. I know you were playing at Oklahoma, but it's almost like a home game for Houston too because it's not that far out, and they put up a lot of points. They have a very creative system and nothing new really, whereas Oklahoma has to break in a quarterback.
0: Okay. Uh, Andrew, do you agree with Artem's analysis?
1: I think he definitely hit on a very important point. The offensive line is the biggest question on offense. They lost four starters from last year, so that's really going to be where they try to figure it out. They apparently won something called the Joe Moore Award, recognizing college football's most outstanding offensive line. Never heard of it before, so... Congratulations,
2: Oklahoma Offensive Line.
0: They won that last year or this? Like, yeah, last year. Uh, How okay. can a,
2: an offensive line be named for one person? I don't know. It's called the Joe Moore Award. That's weird.
0: He's actually four people. <laughs> they cloned him. Gosh.
2: Um, and,
1: Logan, that, that Eboo went 26-2 and two as the starter at Alabama. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, like I didn't say I didn't say he was a bad emu. if you ask if you ask the Australians emus can be dangerous too, okay? They lost a war. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so I mean the
1: the best thing that Oklahoma did do is they brought in Alex Grinch to be their defensive coordinator. Grinch spent last year at Ohio State, but before that, he went into Washington State and made that defense respectable. And so he's got experience coordinating a defense opposite a a fast-paced high-flying offense so I think that's really going to be where you're going to see a lot of growth for this team I think that he's going to be able to mold them defensively and and you go from bad to mediocre and the offense stays as explosive then I think you've got a pretty good shot to be in the playoffs again that Houston game though I do I do agree with Artem it's going to be a exciting test because houston is going to be a very good team next year and i'm excited to see you know a big early test especially for that defense because you know they may beat houston because i'm not sure if houston can stop anybody but i think houston's got a chance to match them shot for shot on off so that's really where that defense is going to say okay we're not last year's Oakland defense we're actually pretty good this year or you know we roll over like a wet bag okay i mean but, again i, I think I think Grinch was a great hire for them defensively.
0: I can agree with that. I think. uh, I guess I'm just not sure. I expect as much out of uh, Houston defensively, so I don't see them actually winning that game. But it'll be a fun shootout, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I think. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure Houston will stop anybody, especially if the Oklahoma defense is that much better. Then it won't really matter. But. You know, it may be one of those fun, exciting 75 to 70 type games you see in the Big 12.
2: What? Houston also has a new coach named Dana Holgerson.
1: Yeah. And a quarterback coming back from a meniscus tear who apparently played really, really well to start the season last year.
2: And Eric King. Yeah, one of the things they're doing to even uh, contend with some of these bigger schools is they're realizing that Houston is a hotbed for talent and just sticking to that. You got to stick to your guns. Um, those kids in the city.
1: They've also got a T-Boone Pickens level booster who is pumping millions and millions of dollars into that program.
0: That always helps. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I would. I wish that we would get one of those. Well, to be fair, Houston been, used to be really good, right? Like when SMU was big in the 80s? I feel like... Yeah, they
1: were, they were one of the first kind of run-and-shoot teams. Um, Andre Ward won a Heisman Trophy there. Uh, David Kingler, I think, was the guy who set a ton of records. Yeah, I mean, they were, now were they competing for national battles? I don't really think so, but, you know, I mean, they were incredible offensively in the early 90s. Now, uh, Here we
0: go,
2: turning a Big 12 uh, broadcast into a Houston one. To
0: be, to be fair, I mean, I would honestly rather talk about the American Conference than the Big 12 Conference, which is why we're kind of getting it out of the way. But we do have to sum this up, guys. So I guess to wrap up the podcast, uh, who do you think wins the conference and do they make the playoff? So I'll start with you, Andrew.
2: Oklahoma, and yes.
0: Okay, Artem, same, same thoughts?
2: Man, that's actually a tough question because I don't think Texas is going to be as good this year as they were last year. They lost quite a bit of experience even though it didn't get drafted. But I also don't think Oklahoma's going to do as well. I think they're going to drop a few games. Um, to my disarray and dismay, I think Texas is going to win. And they will not make the playoff. They'll have too many losses.
0: All right, fair enough. I'm going to say that Oklahoma will win it, but they will not make the playoff. Because I do I do feel like Ardum that they are going to drop a few games somewhere along the line this year. Anyway. All right, guys, that's going to wrap us up for the night. Thanks for joining me. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can always reach us out to us at towmeatleather at gmail.com or shoot us a twit at Twitter at uh, towmeatleather. Uh, and uh, as always, y'all have a good rest of your nights. Bye, everybody.